Welcome back, everybody, to the BadgerBlitz.com podcast, powered by Overtime Media. For all your Wisconsin Badgers news from the recruiting trail, on the field, near the rim, I'm Jake Kokorowski. We got John McNamara on the line as well. And we continue. It's crazy. Big Ten Media Day start on Thursday. Uh, Badger Blitz will be down there on Friday with talking to Wisconsin head coach Paul Christ and the selected Badgers that will be down there in Illinois. But, uh, you know, that means we got to talk position previews. We've already had Jason Galloway and Zach Halperin to talk about a few positions already. And tonight, uh, we are recording on Sunday night, we are talking with, from the Athletic, good friend Jesse Temple. Jesse, man, how's your summer been, man? Can you believe all camp's almost upon us? I can believe it. It's our long national nightmare of an offseason is almost over, but it's been a good summer. Uh, a lot of recruiting stories. I know you guys have been uh, handling some of the same interviews, but some actual football. So it'll be good to, to get fall camp started after Big Ten Media Days. Absolutely. And today we'll have you talk with us, talking some wide receivers, obviously, talk some cornerbacks. We'll uh, a couple of key, key, uh, key skill positions on both sides of the ball and you know let's get right into it you know off last year the offense uh, very one-dimensional uh, you had that great article that piece on Jonathan Taylor along with the you know a great Q&A with John Settle the running backs coach uh, very one-dimensional last year with Wisconsin with r- the rushing game as it was successful and they needed to lean on it but the passing game 90th and team path passing efficiency 118th in passing yards in the nation uh, out of the FBS teams last fall as well. It, before we kind of talk about the wide receivers, just kind of broadly discussing it, did, did that start with the quarterback play uh, or was it the position group not performing as well? Is it a combination of those two and maybe the offensive line giving up some sacks in, in untimely uh, fashion? You know, as I look back, I think it was a lot of things, but certainly you have to evaluate quarterback play to start. I think anybody who watched Wisconsin play last season would say that it wasn't up to snuff, and the coaches would say that too. Um, there were so many things going on, and, and you guys know this. I mean, a few weeks before the season, Wisconsin lost Quintez Cephas, who is obviously no longer with the program, no longer enrolled in school, and, and faces a, a trial here coming up soon on uh, charges of sexual assault and I think that you really can't overstate what his loss meant to the team I know a lot of people in 2017 said well after he got hurt late in the year the wide receivers were just fine um, and that wasn't the case this past season I, I really think not having him played a role and then Danny Davis was obviously suspended those first two games so that certainly didn't help at the start of the season but to me I mean Alex Hornibrook just his high watermark was that orange bowl against Miami I think everybody thought well that's going to be the jumping off point for the 2018 season and he was never quite able to get to that point obviously we know he dealt with some injuries he certainly didn't like to talk about them Um, and I think I would look more at at quarterback play and some of the other factors as opposed to well Danny Davis AJ Taylor and Kendrick Pryor got worse I mean I I don't think that's the case they put up some solid numbers um, but you had those issues and you had communication issues at times with a really talented offensive line so you add it all up and you had what happened last year and you, you talked about those guys behind Cephas. Uh, obviously, the big three there with Danny Davis, A.J. Taylor, Kendrick Pryor, uh, all returning. Uh, 95 receptions combined last year. Uh, what do they need to do to, you know, to take that next step forward this year? And, you know, I would imagine that you think those that, that total will increase this season. I do think it will increase. I, I had a piece that published 
last week where I, I examined uh, all the position groups on offense and, and uh, had a, a few different categories, and one of them was the best-case scenario. And I should say that of the offensive position groups, uh, I ranked them from the groups that are I think are most stable going into fall camp to the ones with the most question marks. And I put the wide receivers at number one. I know you could probably make a case for a running back just because Jonathan Taylor's there and the offensive line because they've got potential All-Americans at, at left tackle and center. But I think you start with those three guys, and that makes them an incredibly talented group. So in terms of where they can go, you know, I don't think – like Danny Davis and A.J. Taylor, to me, certainly are capable of taking another step. I don't think they can quite approach that that Nick Toon-Jared Aberderis combo back in 2011. Obviously, they had Russell Wilson throwing them a ball. Those guys combined for 119 catches, 1,859 yards, and 18 touchdowns. And, and you know, we really – I feel like we haven't seen a duo like that since, and I'm not saying that, that A.J. and Danny can get there, but if each player catches roughly 50 passes for at least 600 yards receiving, to me I think that's a, a really solid next step for them. And let's say Kendrick Pryor adds 30 catches as a solid third option. You've got three wide receivers who could collectively have – 130 catches or something like that. I mean, I'm I'm sort of picking stats out of the air, but I feel like those are, are some natural progressions. Kendrick caught 23 passes, Danny caught 40, AJ caught 32, and AJ was on fire in the last spring practice scrimmage. I don't want to make too much of one practice, but he, every catch he made was 10-plus yards. And so I think if he can continue on that path, then he's going to have a great senior season. Jesse, too, we you know talk about the big three and – I know Danny was out for, for most of that spring. He had some limited work, especially towards the end of the spring practices. I know he got a little bit of action, I think that April 26th practice. But behind those three, where, in your opinion, who grabs that presumed fourth wide receiver spot in fall camp? Is it someone like Aaron Crookshank that had, a like Taylor, a great lasting impression, I would say, on that April 26th pa- uh, practice? Could walk-ons Jack Dunn or Adam Crumholtz grab it? I know Crumholtz from what I had seen, you know, a couple of times he had a great touchdown reception from Graham Mertz to end one scrimmage earlier in the spring, but also even an AJ Abbott or a Taj Mustafa. Do you think, uh, who do you think kind of grabs that on the depth chart, that fourth wide receiver spot? If I'm looking at it based purely on both potential and playmaking ability, like the ability to have a game-changing play at any moment, I have to go with Aaron Cruikshank, and I think you're right. He showed a lot, especially in that last scrimmage, the final day of spring practice. I mean, if, if A.J. Taylor was the, the standout, then Cruikshank wasn't far behind him, certainly from an offensive standpoint. And I mean, he was, as we know, a year ago, the star of spring practice as an early enrollee, and it didn't translate onto the field. He only caught one pass. Uh, he was the kickoff return man. But, you know, part of me wonders, well, a guy like Jack Dunn is someone that the coaches know they can trust. And on that last spring practice, I think Kendrick was hurt. And when they went to a three-receiver set with a first-team offense, Jack Dunn was the guy who was out there. And so um, if I had to pick, those would be the two that I'm looking at. I certainly understand Krumholtz. He's a, he's a bigger body like Dunn. He understands the system. And I think A.J. Abbott and Taj Mustafa have, to have a ton of potential. But since you're asking me to pick, I'm going to go with Crookshank. I, I reserve the right to change my uh, pick here after seeing what happens the first couple <laughs> weeks of fall camp. Uh, as I always do, I like to hedge. Uh, but, I mean, I, I, I also wonder how often Wisconsin is going to use a fourth wide receiver. I mean, let's be honest. If they're going to pass the ball, they're going to use those top three guys. They're going to use Jake Ferguson, and then they're going to use the fullbacks and running backs. And I don't know how many throws are going to be left for a fourth wide receiver, but it would obviously make Wisconsin far more dynamic if they had a reliable number four guy that they could throw in there. And if it is Crookshank, I mean, I think he can play the slot, but he can also play out wide because he's got speed. And you get him in space with the ball, 
a lot of good things can happen. Even in the spring practice, that last scrimmage, he had a kick return that went for 50-plus yards. So it just kind of reminded everyone of what he's capable of when he gets the ball in his hands. And he had another touchdown catch that day where he got the ball in space, and it was like a one-on-one, and you're just not going to catch him. So, Jesse, who leads the team in receptions this fall? I'm going to go Danny Davis. Uh, I mean, he led the team last year, and he played two fewer games than everyone. He had 40 catches. I mean, he his yards per catch weren't as high as they were the previous year, but I, I think I think he's obviously got a special skill set, and if anybody's going to have more than him, it would be Jake Ferguson. It just depends on how much of a safety valve Jake is for these quarterbacks. But I'm going to go with Davis based on what we've seen and, and his potential. Jesse, man, would you stick around just a quick second, come back with us and talk some cornerbacks with us? Absolutely. Excellent, folks. We're going to take a quick break. Actually, what we're going to do, I had a chance to talk with Joe Schobert in Waukesha on Saturday, just a day ago, talking about his football camp. We kind of dive into what started it, the inspiration behind it, what, how he's been training, how many times has he gotten back out to Madison this summer after OTAs, and then we'll also break down kind of just uh, him and his wife think they could own the amazing race. So I ask him why he thinks that. Stick around. Give us just uh, about seven minutes with Joe Schobert. We'll come back with Jesse here on the BadgerBlitz.com podcast, brought to you by Overtime Media. We are back here on the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. I'm Jake Kokorowski, and as I mentioned before the break, here is linebacker Joe Schobert, former Wisconsin walk-on turned NFL pro bowler, talking about what to expect in Cleveland next year. If he's had a chance to talk to Baker Mayfield about his walk-on experience and much more. So without further ado, here is Joe Schobert on the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. You told me like this is the second time you've done like the camp. Uh-huh. Just what was the impetus? What what started the the process of you wanting to do a camp in, in Wisconsin? Yeah, I think my rookie year. Actually, Alex Erickson has a camp in Darlington, which I helped at after my rookie season. I looked and I was like, well, I should do something like this in Waukesha. But it's already the middle of summer. I couldn't really schedule anything, so I started planning for the year after, which is last year. So uh, I really have to give credit to him for what he was doing. I raised a lot of money for his high school and the youth program. So like last year, I did a fundraiser for West. And the youth program this year, all the proceeds are going to the youth programs in the area. So it's a good, a good fundraiser, if anything else, for the, the local youth sports. Oh, so just take us through what your off-season plan is a little bit and where you're going and what you're doing for training. Yeah, um, usually in the off-season, in this summer off-season since OTAs, I come back to Wisconsin, hang out with family, go up north for the 4th of July, kind of stuff like that. Um, so I, I train at Next Level here in Waukesha a couple times and then I trained in Madison a little bit with uh, the Badgers, um, their 10 o'clock lift group, which is nice. If I was in college, I'd be always in that 10 o'clock lift group. But uh, So I kind of bounced back and forth, kind of kept it on, keep you on my toes, uh, did a little bit of running. It's easier when you run with other people than when you run by yourself. So that was my, that's basically my summer stuff I get to do. Thinking back to your days here at Waukesha West, now you got your number uh, retired here. So, is there something that you think that specifically that you learned from your time at West that you've used at Wisconsin and now in the NFL? Yeah, for sure. I think Coach Rux has been here since 2000. He's implemented a really good program off-season conditioning-wise, a good structure for offense and defense at, at the high school level. And Coach Tricky was our quarterback's coach, um, offensive guy when I was in high school, and he had always preached responsibility, accountability. And those really just kind of planted the seeds of that stuff. Because when you get to college, you have to be responsible, you have to be accountable, otherwise you're not going to pass your classes or get on the football field. So I think those really uh, were the first times where I was able to kind of get that instilled in me with the coaches around here and just be able to carry it all the way through. 
was going to say too, you know, you have Joel here, and I mean, what's the process of getting, you know, your former quarterback and Joel Stavi here, all the other players, you know, players? How did you, how's the process of like kind of recruiting them to be part of the camp? Yeah, well, Joel has a $20,000 running rate per hour. <laughs> no, um, no, just uh, reach out. Everybody's happy to come back and help. It's kind of an excuse to get together. Um, because you don't, everybody, like Joel's up at Appleton, Trent, my friend, uh, old roommate from Wisconsin, is down in Iowa. So everybody's kind of bounced around all over. So it's a little, it's a good excuse to get everybody back for a weekend. Got to hang out a little bit, uh, catch up and see where everything's life's taking you. Because, like I said, people are spreading out and it's harder and harder to get to see each other on a consistent basis. You mentioned training, you know, back in Madison. Have you seen guys like Vince Beagle and, and others down there? I mean, have you had a chance to reconnect with them too? Yeah, I lift with Vince. Vince lifts at the with the college guys, um, so I lifted with him a couple times. And then played golf with Alex Erickson because he's got a spot in Verona uh, near a golf course. So we went over there, and it was good. To, good to catch up with those guys. Those are the only two I saw out there. Um, and I think the, there's a coach Bott, who was one of the strength coaches at Wisconsin when I was there, as a sports advantage place out in Madison or Verona, one of the one of the suburbs. Um, like I heard Travis Frederick and uh, Ryan Groy and those kind of guys work out over there, but I didn't get out there this year. Maybe next year. When do you report back to to Cleveland and the process all start for you again? Yeah, July 24th is training camp report date, so uh, we'll be back in Cleveland in like a week and a half and getting ready to roll for the for training camp. How's the transition been? When it comes to, you know, I know the new defensive coordinator, Steve Wilkes, if I'm not mistaken. This, you know, how's the transition been between two different coordinators, and how have you seen your role change or stay the same, if any? Yeah, it's been a pretty smooth transition. Uh, still a 4-3 defense, so it hasn't been too terrible in terms of learning new overall philosophies. It's just more language and ins and outs of the defense. And Coach Wilkes and his coaching staff have all been very good teachers, so it's been a pretty easy transition for the whole defense, and it's been exciting to see everybody mesh in the spring, uh, offense and defense in the competition periods, and I'm really excited to see where the team goes in this training camp and start of the season. What's it been like for you personally to be one of those pieces? I was there from the beginning when things weren't so good in Cleveland, and now things, you know, it's a team that a lot, you know, is considered to be much more on the up and up on, on that sort of swing there. Yeah, definitely, yeah. and people ask me how the NFL has been. I say, good, well, first two years weren't that good. But uh, last year was fun. We were able to get some wins under our belt. And I think just the amount of uh, people we got, the talent we have on this team is just, there's a lot of potential. Um, so as long as everybody stays healthy and smart, I mean, to, it'll be awesome to see it turn around from what it was when I got there and played through the first two years to being a playoff contending team. Um, the city of Cleveland last year when we were getting close to the playoffs at the end of the season, almost 500 record was up in arms. Uh, everybody was excited and just... So if, we, if we're able to go to the playoffs, that city is going to go crazy. And they've, they've been starved for it for so long on the football aspect. It's going to be it's going to be nuts. What are some of the big goals that you have, maybe individually, but also, I mean, obviously as a team, it's not obviously win every game. But, I mean, just personal goals for you. What do you have uh, in store for 2019? Yeah, well, my only personal goal I ever have every year is get 100 tackles. Uh, that's what I had <laughs> in 2017. I got 100 tackles. actually led the NFL tackles and made it to the Pro Bowl. So last year I said get 100 tackles. I got hurt for like four games worth of snaps, but I made it, 103 tackles. So this year, just get 100 tackles again. It's been doing me well. Uh, don't worry about too much other stuff. Just kind of, as a Mike linebacker, got to get everybody lined up. So know my job, know my role, get 100 tackles, get a lot of wins. Did you have similar goals in high school and college? Obviously a lot less games or what uh, kind of numbers did you peg for yourself then? I'm, I'm pretty sure I remember in high school having some like running back wise, but I don't remember exactly what they were. However many touchdowns or how many get 100 yards every game or something like that. 
Um, but there's been stuff like that I've been kind of just you know, always put out there to try to, to try to reach and be an effective goal to push yourself. So I was going to say, I mean, your quarterback, Baker Mayfield, there's a walk-on story there. Mm-hmm. Of course, you're a former walk-on. Have you had a chance to talk and t- about the experiences between what he went through and what you went through? Uh, not too much. I mean, we see each other at practice on opposite sides of the ball, but when you're in meetings all day and then you go separate ways, go home, uh, I haven't really talked to him about the whole walk-on experience too much, just besides stuff in the passing. Um, maybe I'll bring it up this year. We'll see. But like quarterbacks and linebackers, middle linebackers, we're in the film room all day. We don't really get out much, and every when we do, everybody else is gone. So it's uh, <laughs> it's uh, it'll be interesting. But maybe I'll broach the, the subject with him. And my last question: I saw the tweet from your wife, Megan. Yeah. Uh, what makes you and Megan think that you guys could defeat the competition and own the competition in the Amazing Race? Uh, just because we watch it all the time and we can see it from a 2020 hindsight perspective. Like, oh, we'd be that good at that challenge. Because you see how everybody else is doing it. And like, no, nah, you got to do it this way. No, everything. We like to travel. We like to, we're obviously both competitive. And we like to watch things like The Amazing Race, the reality television. So, <laughs> I mean, you got to, when you're sitting in your armchair, you're always going to think you're going to be do great at it. So, obviously, we're going to do good. <laughs>
I had the wide receivers number one in terms of stability, and I have the cornerbacks number one on defense in terms of stability. I, I certainly think there's part of that, right? There's there's a lot of guys out there, and part of me wonders, well, is the fact that Leonard is rotating guys so often in the spring, does that mean that he's not sure who the top dogs are? And, and does that mean uh, there's a lot a, a lot of room to grow there? I mean, obviously, I think there is room to grow there, but I also think there's a ton of talent. I mean, those guys earn starts for a reason, and they're going to be more confident this year. And so I look at the depth there. I look at the fact that you could plug in four guys to be your, your top two starting corners and throw in Madison Cohn and Dante Burton, who have playing experience and will probably significantly contribute in the nickel package. And, and I think this is a position of strength, no doubt about it. And then, too, I mean, you mentioned you know Wild Goose working with the reserves mostly in the in spring ball. And, you know, like you mentioned, he played in 10 games, seven starts. He led the team in pass breakups last year with seven as well. Uh, but then you also, even you mentioned Burton and Cone, Alexander Smith got some reps in and it was mixing and matching. Uh, we still haven't even seen uh, Travian Blaylock, who's right now listed as a cornerback, as well as he was rehabbing from injury during spring ball. Uh, would you say, I know you mentioned like in terms of strength or deepness of this cornerback group, on defense, do you think it's the deepest position group on the team overall? I do. Um, and, I mean, I just go on down the list looking at my position preview. I mean, like safety, they have three incredibly talented safeties. You've got Eric Burrell, Scott Nelson, Reggie Pearson, who anytime there was a big stick on the practice field, it was either Reggie Pearson or Leo Chanel and then Colin Wilder. And, and I think Titus Toller is going to be special down, down the road too. But, like, there's a lot of top-end talent, but I don't know necessarily how deep it is. I mean, you can you can go down the list, right? Like outside linebackers got a lot of question marks. I think inside linebacker has a really good top three, maybe four, but cornerback is extremely deep. You've got a lot of guys back with starting experience. I mean, basically all the guys who played corner last last year are back. So I, I do think they're I think they're the deepest group. I think they have the potential to have the most talent, and I think they can be really big for this defense, obviously, because if quarterbacks start to recognize we throw on them, we're going to have a problem. I mean, let's say these guys, I think they accounted for four interceptions as a cornerback group last season. Let's say they double that number this year. Life becomes a lot more difficult for opposing offenses. Madison Cohn comes to mind here, but do you think that there's someone from that group who translates best to that slot position, uh, slot cornerback on this roster? I think it would be Madison, assuming he's healthy. He's played in 21 games. He's got two starts in nickel corner. If I had to pick someone else, it would be Dante Burton. I mean, he, he got some opportunities certainly in spring ball, um, and he played in four games as a true freshman last season. So obviously the four-game threshold was there for him to retain the red shirt. But those would be the two guys that I'm looking at. And obviously, like a lot of positions, I'm really curious to see early in fall camp what Wisconsin does, assuming everybody's healthy and everyone gets a fair shake at it. Out of this group, Jesse, is there a, an under-the-radar player you could see emerging out of out of this deep position group that Jim Leonard has. Well, since we've named about, I feel like sixty percent <laughs> of the group, I got to go somewhere else. Um, I think Alex Smith is somebody who could be in that mix just because he got some valuable reps in the spring. I mean, I don't know how much a true freshman uh, is going to be able to step in when there's like six guys that are seemingly ahead of him. But I probably would have said the same thing about Rashad Wild Goose last season, and that's the beauty of this this redshirt rule is you can hold a guy out for a couple games until you think he's ready and then let him go. And there's no consequence like there was previously where if you play one snap, 
you just burned your redshirt season. And that's obviously what they did with Wild Goose last year. I specifically remember a game early last season where uh, there was an injury and Jim Leonard was looking around trying to put somebody in, and he saw Wild Goose and pointed to him. And then they brought him back in. He pulled him off the field, basically, because at that time they didn't know what they were going to do. Well, he winds up playing. He does so well that he becomes a starter. And I say all this to say that, you know, it's possible that someone like Dean Ingram or James Williams or Samar Melvin, the three incoming freshmen that are cornerbacks, could get that opportunity. I would just need to see them more in fall camp to really have any idea uh, whether that's a possibility. And then last question before we get you out of here. Uh, I think I know what your answer is going to be based on the way you've talked so far. But who do you think starts against South Florida? Uh, your two corners and even a nickel there to, as well. I'll go Williams, Hicks and Cone, but again, Harold and Wild Goose very well could earn starting spots because both those guys started a bunch last year. So, um, But I feel like Williams and Hicks, are, to me, are the favorites going in. You know, I know Williams played in all 13 games last season. He had five starts. And Hicks started 11 of the 12 games that he played in. So I'm going to go with them, but uh, we'll see what happens in fall camp. And I, I think that's, that's the beauty, particularly at this position group, is you've got so many options that if you're not on your game, you can very easily lose your spot to somebody else, and I think that creates good competition for everyone in the group. Jesse, as always, it's great talking with you. Looking forward to seeing you kind of coming up later this week on Friday. What you got coming up on The Athletic just to uh, what the appetite of our of our listeners? Well, I mentioned uh, I've got uh, position previews for the offense, the defense, and the special teams. That, that defense and special teams preview ran on Monday. Uh, there's many more stories in the works. I won't give them all away, but if you're not a subscriber, I know people listening subscribe to Badger Blitz, but uh, if you can find it in your pocketbook, do also subscribe to The Athletic. I I surely think you won't be disappointed. Um, So check it out at theathletic.com. Awesome. Jesse, love having you on. We'll see you down in Chicago coming up uh, later this week, man. Take care. Sounds good. See you guys soon. Thanks, Jesse. Guys, it's Jesse Temple from The Athletic. Going to take a quick break. Wrap up the show here on the BadgerBlitz.com podcast, powered by Overtime Media. Wrapping up the BadgerBlitz.com podcast, of course, powered by Overtime Media. John McNamara on the line with me. I'm Jake Okorowski. Hey, guys, thanks so much for listening again to another episode. We're going to have another one coming up on Friday, hopefully, uh, depending upon John and I's travels will be heading down there to Chicago. Big 10 media days will be down there Friday only, but that's when Wisconsin's there. Head coach Paul Christ, running back Jonathan Taylor, center Tyler Biotish, and of course, inside linebacker John, uh, Chris Orr. We'll have a lot of fun talking with them, catching up hopefully. And then, uh, John, what else we got coming up uh, this week on BadgerBlitz.com? Yeah, our position previews are, are still uh, still running this week, and that'll get us right up until Big Ten Media Days, like you talked about, Jake. Uh, I'm hoping to start our series on uh, the top 50 in-state players in Wisconsin's 2020 class. And um, you know, I've I've talked about this before. It's 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 a it's a really good group. I don't want to say this is the best in-state class that I've covered or been a you know that written about but it's it's really a good group uh wisconsin uh has taken advantage of that um other big 10 schools have taken advantage of that uh and then you know all the i call them like the directional schools the you know the north dakotas and the south dakotas and the you know all the directional schools in illinois and michigan it's just you know i i the last time i checked i want to say that 30 kids maybe like 28 29 or 30 kids have already made 
commitments to Division One schools, and I think a couple more are coming up this week after talking to a few kids. So um, it's a it's a great group, and uh, you know sometimes I feel like when we've done this in the past, stretching it to fifty was, I guess, a bit of a stretch. But I mean, there's legit fifty kids. I think you can count down here, and I left some really good players off the list. I mean, it was really difficult to to kind of crunch this group together. So. Um, you know, that's, that's something I hope to start running on Monday. I'm still waiting on a few responses from a couple of kids, but, um, that'll take us, uh, you know, roughly 10 days. We're going to count down by five, uh, try to get up to 50. So I think if my math is right, that'll take us 10 days. Um, so that's, that's something that, that we have coming up as well. Crazy. I mean, real quick, maybe just behind the curtain before we wrap this up, how do you go about diagnose or analyzing breaking down all the all those players it's i mean you've been doing this for over a decade plus john so but but what's what's the method to the madness in terms of figuring out players and class and, and going through all this yeah you know we obviously cover wisconsin and that's that's our main focus but i've always um you know updated profiles for in-state kids and and kept up with their recruitments and always been interested in what those guys are doing so um, you know, it, it's something that I definitely pay attention to. Um, I got a chance to see a lot of these kids at Wisconsin's three summer camps and that always helps. Um, you know, you, you look at their film, um, and, and, you know, offers come into play as well. So you, you know, you, you try to get all the information that you can and rank these guys. Um, it's, it's certainly not an exact science, but, uh, you try to get all the information that you can as possible and, and give it your best shot. Uh, you know, like I said, I, there's, there's going to be guys that, that are left out that, that are, you know, I'm sure a lot of people feel are deserving, but um, this is going to be my best guess of the top 50 kids from inside the state uh, before high school football kicks off. And um, I know that you and I have talked about what games are going to hit this fall. Um, there's, there's a lot of great games and there's a lot of great players that I, I hope to get out and see on Friday night. So, uh, I, you know, I'm excited about Wisconsin's uh, football season, obviously, but, you know, I, I really like high school football as well. Uh, getting out there on Fridays and there's, there's a lot of great players from inside the state to see this, this fall. So it, it should be exciting. We, we hope to give you the best coverage of that as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun for us. I'll be getting out there more. I, I started doing that uh, at my previous employer last year, going out to high school games and catching Julius Davis and Keanu Benton. Uh, and now I know you and I are already talking about, I mean, gosh, it's, it's, it's a month away high school football is about a month away and it's, that's absolutely crazy to even think about. Uh, but football will be back soon, folks. Uh, of course, we're bringing you position previews for the Wisconsin Badgers. Of course, every recruiting morsel that we hear about, you guys are knowing you guys are hearing about either in an article or on our message board on the Badgers den. And yeah, John, anything else before we get going on the show and uh, get back to our Sunday evenings? I think that's all I got for you guys this evening. And big thanks again to Jesse Temple from The Athletic, of course, at Jesse Temple. Check him out. And then uh, big thanks again to Joe Schobert uh, for talking with us, uh, me and Kurt Hogue, who's uh, you know from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Uh, we both were down there. Big thanks to Joe for making some time with us between his football camp sessions. And uh, from there, folks, what we'll be doing uh, coming up, like I said, next show, probably sometime Friday. Wrapping up some interviews with the players, head coach Paul Crystal speak. We'll have some audio there. John and I will give our closing thoughts from Chicago before we likely head back. So, guys, uh, of course, just the breakdown where you guys can find us. 
on Twitter at McNamara Rivals, me at Jake Coco, K O C O. Of course, Badger Blitz, we're close to 1,000 follows, folks. It's at Badger underscore Blitz. Make sure you guys follow uh, the the hub up where everything goes through with, with just article notifications, retweets, etc. We have that there on the main account. Of course, Facebook, we put all, all our articles there, Wisconsin Badgers on badgerblitz.com, as well as our Instagram page with photos going up. On top of that, then for this podcast, make sure you guys click on Overtime Media. You guys check out the NCAA banner. Go to Badger Blitz Podcast. That's where you can listen there. But of course, the really the main way you guys can listen or even subscribe. It's for free, by the way, this podcast. Go to Apple Podcasts, go to Google Podcasts, go to Spotify. Why? Uh, that's where that's where we are at. And if you guys subscribe, you guys get it instantly. What's it once it's ready for that respective media for those respective outlets? And also, we've, you know, we've gotten some great feedback lately. Uh, we're working to improve this podcast, evolve it, make it the most Wisconsin-centric podcast available and the best one out there. So make sure you guys uh, give us reviews. We'd love five-star ratings, but hey, be honest, be genuine. Let us know what we can do better. Uh, that only makes us better and only makes the product better overall. So on that note, I'll stop jibber-jabbering. You guys have a great week ahead. We'll catch you guys later on this week. From Chicago for Big Ten Media Days, for John McNamara, this is Jake Kokorowski signing off on another edition of the BadgerBlitz.com podcast, powered by Overtime Media.